It's time to play like a jet with your host, Scott Mason. Play like a jet. What does that mean? Drops the throw, steps up, floats a bomb up the right seam, looking for Anderson. He's got it. They're not going to catch him. He's going to go the distance. Touchdown. Sam Darnold dials it up to Robbie Anderson. 92 yards. Bell into the middle of that line, and it's a touchdown. Big return for Crowder, 85 yards. Pass thrown, there was contact with the quarterback, and it's incomplete. They got pressure on Prescott. It was Adams who came blitzing in. He'll hit immediately when he got the handoff. You know that's <laughs> the Q-inator. Oh my gosh. Listen, thank you. From the TOJ Digital Studios, this is Play Like a Jet. My name is Scott Mason. You can follow me on Twitter at PlayLikeAJet1. And it is time for the weekend mailbag. So for that, of course, we bring in the owner, the operator, the lead reporter, the whole shebang over at JetsInsider.com. And above all of that, a very big deal, Mr. Chris Nimbley. So let's jump right into it with Chef Ozzy, who asks, Gase is really not getting fired? Imagine how bad this team's record would have been with a bad defense and bad special teams. No argument for me on that one. If the defense hadn't performed the way that they did and special teams hadn't performed the way that they did to a lesser extent than the defense, obviously, the record of this team would have been so abysmal, I don't even want to think about it. And obviously, if the offense had performed at even a bottom third level rather than worst in the league, there's a decent possibility that the Jets could have snuck into the playoffs because all it would have taken is two more wins in conference to really be in the mix there. So, yeah, there's not really much else I could say on that one. We all have spoken our piece on whether or not Adam Gase should be here in 2020, but he is going to be here. So the only thing that we can do is keep our fingers crossed and hope for the best. And that if the best doesn't happen, that the Johnsons see the light and move on. Yeah, that's absolutely right. And I, I saw uh, what, what was Sean Stocker who, who uh, said this to you uh, about the idea of if it was Greg Williams was the head coach and Gase was the offensive coordinator. I think that's a good way to look at it. Uh, now, you know, who knows if Gase would actually be fired, but he, there would be a lot of people calling for it or a lot more people willing to entertain the idea. Um, you'd still have people sitting here saying, you know, don't try to give Darnold three offensive coordinators in three years. But it would be a lot easier to point at, look at how bad the offense is when that's his only job, even though that's really all, his only job now because Greg Williams is running the defense. Um, <clears throat> one thing, though, if, if Greg Williams wasn't running the defense and Brant Boyer didn't have the special teams playing as well as they did, Jets would be picking higher in the draft. Maybe they'd have a shot at Chase Young. You got a point there, Chris, although I'm told that you're a bad fan if you want the team to lose games late in the season against second and third stringers. Of course, that could end up costing them not only, like you were saying, losing a couple of games, maybe being in position to grab Chase Young, but they may also be in a position where, as we outlined before, they either lose out on those three offensive tackles or they're forced to trade additional draft capital to go up and get one. But then again, Chris, you just can't put a price on winning those games late in the season when you have no chance to make the playoffs and you're playing second and third stringers, right? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> oh, I... I, I really don't understand that logic. I like I, I understand if you want to be against tanking from the beginning of the season. I'm I'm fully on board with that. If that's how uh, what you want to do and how you want to do it, cool. I get it. But once you know that the playoffs are out of reach, 
what what are you doing? Why are you still rooting for uh, to hurt your draft position for meaningless wins? Um, it, it doesn't make sense. And I get that. Like, I get fans who say, you know, I get it. I'd be okay with them losing. But when I'm watching the game, I can't root against the, my team. I get that. But at least, like, be willing to just shrug off a loss at that point. The season, when the when the playoffs are over, that's it. And you should stop caring about how much they win or lose by or how many wins or losses they have. You can not be fully on board rooting against them uh, every single week and hoping they lose. That That's fine. But to be sitting here saying you're not a real fan, the, the, the fans want – the people who were rooting for them to lose at the end of the season and improve their draft stock are doing it because they want the team to get better in the future. And they realize that. So don't mm-hmm. also, and just in general, a blanket statement. If you say you're not a real fan to somebody, you're a bad person. <laughs> that, that's a terrible argument and stop it. Stop telling people they're not real fans. They're not true fans. Stop, stop judging people for how they fan. Stop it. There's no one way to be a fan. I've talked about this many times. As I've mentioned over and over again, I've been a season ticket holder for close to 35 years. We all want the same thing. We want this team to be good. We all have different ideas of how to make that happen. And so just because somebody disagrees with you or has some other idea of how they think that something should be done doesn't mean that they're a bad fan just because they don't meet your one true fan criteria. And I will also say that in that Bills game, we got the worst of all worlds because not only did the Jets win and hurt their draft position, but they won a close game against second and third stringers in which Sam Darnold did not play well. So you didn't get anything you wanted because you could have lived with it if Darnold lit things up and you said, all right, great, more signs that Darnold is going to be an awesome quarterback, but we didn't even get that. So that was a rough game to watch, no question about it. Let me, let me just add this too. If there's a scenario like when the Dolphins beat the Patriots and stop them from getting – uh, you know, home field advantage, and now the Patriots are booted out wild card weekend. Okay, I can get that. I can get you wanting to do that, to, but to to root for the Jets to beat the Bills play, backups in a game that didn't affect their playoff position at all. That I mean, go ahead and root for the win if you want, but don't don't knock other fans for rooting for draft position at that point. Chris, we've got a ton more questions, but before we get to our next one, I just want to tell you about the natural breakthrough pain relief solution, cryo-free CBD roll-on developed by Omax Health. Best part is it's 100% natural, CBD-powered, and it works like magic. Within 10 minutes of application, and relief lasts up to eight hours, much longer than any of the over-the-counter products you can possibly find. And if you want to try it out, which I highly recommend because I use it myself since I run a lot and I get a lot of pain in my joints and my back and my neck. I've got a special offer for you as a listener of Play Like a Jet. All you've got to do is go over to omaxhealth.com. That's O-M-A-X health.com. Use the promo code OVERTIME and you'll get yourself 20% off a full bottle of cryo-free CBD pain relief roll-on and free shipping. And even better, that promo code is good for a discount on 20% off anything site-wide. So go check it out. Pro athletes use it and so do I, so you know it works. 
cryo-free CBD roll-on from Omax Health. Go to omaxhealth.com today, enter the promo code OVERTIME, get yourself up to 20% off plus free shipping, and get rid of that nagging muscle and joint pain today. And with that, let's jump right back into the mailbag. Next question comes in from Wyatt V. Gave Darnold Mono. He says, what do you think will be Joe Douglas's first move in free agency? It's really hard to tell because we don't even know who's going to hit free agency yet, but I'm going to take a wild guess. I think if Brandon Scherf hits free agency, that'll be the first guy that Douglas tries to get. Yeah, I, I think it's going to – I'll say this. I think it'll be an offensive lineman. Uh, you know, how free agency always works is it's generally the, the, the bigger contract, the bigger name guys that get signed earlier. And I don't think the Jets are going to be super active with, uh, in those first couple of days. I do think they'll try to identify at least one offensive lineman and try to do that. So if it's going to be somebody in those first couple of days, I think it'll be an offensive lineman. It could be Sheriff. It could be somebody like Joe Thune from the Patriots if he gets free. But I think if they're going to go make a a splashy type, a big name, or or not a big name as much as somebody that you have to pay a big contract to, it's going to be an offensive lineman. And I think, that Joe Douglas is probably going to take outside of the offensive line, especially looking around to see who's available in free agency this year. You know, maybe, maybe Byron Jones is somebody else. If it's not an offensive line, maybe maybe that's a name there, but I don't see Joe Douglas going after a bunch of big, big contracts this off season. I think he'll, he'll probably focus that on the offensive line and then fill out uh, with more mid-tier guys going forward. Next question comes in from Michael Christopher. He says, so this hasn't been talked about much, but do you think Joe Douglas adds more people to the front office? Last year it was said that he wanted a couple more people from Philly and Daniel Jeremiah, but he couldn't get them. Are you hearing that he will add to this front office in any capacity? And if so, who do you think he would add? Second question, with this class of wide receivers being so deep, would you still be interested in taking Judy or Lamb if they fell to 11 instead of investing? It in a premium position Such as offensive tackle Whether that's Wills, Thomas, or Wirfs Or a corner they rate high If say Okuda dropped to 11 Well first of all I don't think there's any chance Okuda is going to drop to 11 Unless something really crazy surfaces So we can put him out of this As far as the wide receivers I think it really depends on how the board falls If you get to a point where Wirfs, Thomas, and Wills All go off the board early But Judy or Lamb is still there at 11 Unless you get a really nice offer to trade down, I think you would take Judy or Lamb because I think they can be difference makers. I don't think that either one of those guys makes it to 11, but crazier things have happened. You never know. Sometimes wacky things happen on draft day, and there's a lot of the process to play out. You got the combines, the workouts, the pro days, all of that. As far as the other question, I don't know anything about that in terms of who they may add to the front office, so I'll throw that to you, Chris. I'm not sure if you've heard anything, but if you had... I'm curious to hear who they might be considering adding to the front office. Yeah, I'll start with that part first. I haven't really heard anything. I, it's not something I've been looking into lately, though. Um, but I'll, I will start doing some digging on that. Uh, go ahead. This this is the perfect time to go ahead and look into something like that because, you know, there's not a lot going on. So I can usually get some good information now, checking around now. So I'll – I'll look into that and report back in the, the future on that. But right now, there's not nothing jumping out at me that I'm aware of. I, I'm going to 
agree with pretty much everything you said about the offensive line and wide receiver thing there. It's going to depend, uh, you know, it's also it's going to depend on how the board falls. It's going to depend on what Joe Douglas has. I like, I don't know much about uh, Worfs uh, yet. I haven't started any study on him, but I there does seem to be some split from what I've seen other people talking about him, opinions. So maybe Joe Douglas doesn't like him as much as other people do. Maybe he does. Um, <clears throat> I, I agree that uh, Jerry, Judy, and C.D. Lamb are probably both likely to be gone by then, but I, I would be shocked if C.D. Lamb is available because – C.D. Lamb to the Cardinals just makes all the sense in the world to me. I, if he's still on board for the Cardinals, I don't see them passing up. That that would seem to be a perfect fit for for uh, Kyler Murray and Cliff Kingsbury. <clears throat> so I, I'd be perfectly fine with taking one of those two guys, though. Uh, again, regardless of what happens with Robbie Anderson, they keep him and they move on. Either way, I think both of them uh, would be a perfect fit. I do – completely understand the logic of saying, hey, this is a really deep class. We can get somebody in the second round uh, or third round, and we can get one of those top uh, offensive linemen, and I'd be fine with that. But I'd also be fine with, like I said, if Joe Douglas decided Works wasn't uh, uh, what he wanted, didn't like him that much if he went the right receiver route too. I said, if they uh, they stay at 11 and they get an offensive line, one of those offensive linemen or one of those receivers – I promise you, you will not hear me uh, criticize it one bit whatsoever. Um, <clears throat> but, yeah, th- this is a really deep class. So, you know, and if if uh, if they don't bring back Robbie and those top two receivers are gone, maybe go for somebody like Henry Ruggs who can stretch the field too. Um, there's just, there's just going to be so many options at receivers. So I'd be fully on board with a prioritizing offensive line there. But uh, this is just my bias. And, again, me falling for the shiny, explosive things. Oh, man, I love Jerry Judy and C.D. Lamb. So if if they're on the board and the Jets pass on, it's going to hurt my heart a little bit. Next question comes in from Randy Sherman. He says, do you see Joe Douglas making cuts or moves with some of these assistant coaching positions like Loggins and Pollock? Also, when is the right time to make these cuts with all the head coaching changes? I would guess sooner rather than later. I think Pollock is probably more likely to go than Loggins because I think Loggins is Gase's boy, so he's probably fairly protected. As far as when this would happen, I would say, yeah, it would be pretty soon because they'd want to go out and be able to get the right guy to fill the role. So, Chris, have you heard anything about Loggins or Pollock? I'm actually kind of surprised Pollock made it through the whole season, to be honest with you. Yeah, well, it's it's better. It would be definitely 100% be better to do it sooner than later. And the fact that it hasn't been done now makes me think it's not going to be done at all. Um, I agree with you that Pollock would be more at risk than Dow. Loggins isn't going anywhere. Not happening. At this point, though, I don't, I don't, I don't think that Pollock's going to go either. Now, who knows? Uh, maybe somebody shakes free that uh, Gase would really like, and then he makes a decision. But generally, uh, the assistants are let go by now. If, if they're going to be let go, it, it does happen later sometimes. Um, but if if they were going to make a move uh, at, at at that with Pollock, I think they would have already done it. 
Next question comes in from Gus Toon. He says, isn't re-signing Robbie Anderson a no-brainer? No way this team can rely on Anunwa staying healthy. And so if Anderson leaves, the only thing the Jets would have is Jamison Crowder. Robbie Anderson is the top-rated wide receiver in free agency, so surely it makes sense to pay him, especially with the chemistry that him and Sam Darnold have. So I think that what happened with the Jets is Mike McCagnan made a mistake and now the Jets are backed into a corner. What I mean is they should have signed Robbie Anderson at the end of last season. They would have gotten a much better deal. But now, considering the need at wide receiver with a bunch of teams, the fact that a lot of these teams have cap space and Robbie Anderson is clearly the top guy in free agency at wide receiver, the Jets may end up having to pay him a lot more money to keep him than they ever would have thought. And so the question could come down to, do you want to pay Robbie Anderson an amount of money that you never expected to have to pay him, something along the lines of $14, $15 million a year, or do you let him walk for nothing? So again, Mike McCagden's bad decisions are hurting the Jets. But I will say that I think that the Jets should make every effort to re-sign Robbie Anderson. There's got to be a breaking point for the contract. If somebody offers him some insane amount of money that the Jets feel it wouldn't be wise to match, then fine. But you've got to make every effort to keep him because, yes, he's developed chemistry with Sam Darnold. And, yes, he's not a number one receiver. He's not a great receiver. He's a good receiver. And he's limited in a lot of areas, but we know what he does well. We know it's a valuable skill set. And we know that more importantly than any of that, if he's gone, you've got to replace him. And so then you put yourself into a corner where you have to draft somebody to make an impact right away, or you have to find some way to get somebody via trade or free agency. And there doesn't seem to be a lot out there for you. So I think that the Jets should absolutely make every effort to keep Anderson. There should be a breaking point from a monetary standpoint. But even if you have to pay a little bit more than you were expecting, say $13 million a year or something like that, the cap's going to go up. You don't really have a lot of other options, so you may just have to bite the bullet and do it. Say a four-year, $52 million deal with half of that guaranteed or something along those lines. He's not a number one receiver. Who cares? You need a number two receiver. Um, people really don't value Robbie enough, and – I. He's not a, a number one receiver, a great overall receiver, but he is great at what he does best. And it's the old Belichick line. Don't show me what a player can't do. Show me what he can do, and I'll get the most out of him. That ability to stretch the field is so valuable. Uh, even when he's not getting the ball thrown at him, they ha- the defense has to pay so much attention to him and they have to pay attention to him going deep, which opens things up for everybody else in the middle. And if you get rid of him, all of a sudden you're down to Jamison Crowder. And you open up another hole on a team that already has – is already Swiss cheese with all the holes. Um, they The Jets can't be in a position to just be getting rid of some of their only good weapons. <laughs> it doesn't make sense to me. I, I fully agree with you. I'm not giving Robbie a blank check and saying, here, whatever you want, we're giving it to you. But within reason, you, you have to do everything to try to bring him back. Because of his chemistry with Sam Darnold, because of his ability to stretch the field, uh, I still think Robbie can do more intermediate short stuff than he has done. Um, but also, and you know, people talk about, there was the contest. There's all that the points about contested catches, which he has improved on a lot. He does have really strong hands. Yeah, he drops some passes all every now and then, 
most receivers do. Brandon Marshall led the league in drops almost every year of his career. He was still a receiver you wanted on your team almost every year of his career. Um, that It's going to happen. It's like saying you don't want a cornerback because he got beat a couple times during the season. Cornerbacks get beat. Wide receivers sometimes drop passes. Quarterbacks sometimes throw bad passes. Uh, like great quarterbacks and great quarterbacks. Like that happens as part of the game. Robbie has a skill set that is really hard to find, uh, at, at least to be that consistent and that good with. And he is that good at that. And you're gonna if you get rid of him, they're gonna have a lot harder time stretching the field and opening up the middle of the field. And you're gonna you will see Sam Darnold will have a lot tighter windows to work with if there's no Robbie Anderson there to stretch the field. And even the idea of hey, this is a really deep receiver class. We can just replace him in the draft. Man, you, the, Darnold going to his third year, you can't just say, okay, we're just going to rely on rookies now. Um, I know Debo Samuel had a really good year this year, and Terry McLaurin and A.J. Brown were great this year. You can't just bank on a rookie receiver to, to be as good as Robbie Anderson is right now. Um, as much as I love Jerry Judy and C.D. Lamb and, Bolt and think they will – definitely be much better than Robbie Anderson in like two, three years. It's going to take some adjusting for them to do. Um, I saw a Kyle Shanahan quote the other day about receivers coming from college and how uh, route running in college is not really that important because college defenses play so much zone and because of the, how the hash marks are different that they kind of just have receivers just run and get open. They don't need to be so precise in their routes. And so there's a learning curve for receivers. There's a learning curve for every position going into college. And just because a couple of uh, rookies had great years doesn't mean that even C.D. Lamb or Jerry Judy can be counted on to be a, a great right off the jump. So uh, the – I cannot find a possible reason to say no to Robbie Anderson unless the money gets out of control. While sports can bring us so much joy, it can also bring us a lot of unwanted stress. And that stress can make it difficult to concentrate, relax, and get decent sleep. Sunday Scaries was launched in 2017 by two best friends and business partners, Bo Schmidt and Mike Sill. They operated a full-service bar with 50 employees and were always exhausted. They tried all kinds of products, but they didn't work. Then they started experimenting with CBD. They loved the effects and regained control of their days and nights, but they wanted better CBD products. So what they did for themselves was specially formulate CBD gummies with vitamins D3 and B12 that were super consumable, easy to take on the go, and effective. Long story short, their specially formulated CBD products and vitamins helped relieve the overwhelming angst they felt on a daily basis. So in July 2017, they named the company Sunday Scaries and began sharing their products with friends and launched their online store at sundayscaries.com. With tens of thousands of customers, monthly subscribers, and a 100% money-back guarantee, Sunday Scaries has always been on a mission to transform a worrisome nation into a chill one. And right now, we have a bonus for you. Get 25% off all products at sundayscaries.com when you use the code OVERTIME. Again, 25% off all products at sundayscaries.com when you use the code OVERTIME. Hey guys, Greg Peterson here with the Baseball Betting Podcast. As we know, the MLB season is back in our lives. It's going to be a 60-game sprint 
unlike anything that we've ever seen before. And I'm going to be giving you picks every single day, seven days a week with Major League Baseball. We're also going to be keeping up with the KBO as well. If you like baseball and you like being able to make some money, subscribe to the Baseball Betting Podcast with Greg Peterson on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey guys, this is Greg Peterson, host of the podcast Hooping with Hoops. Despite the fact that college basketball is in the offseason, it's never too early to get a jump start on taking a look at these teams because there is now 357 of them for the upcoming 2020-2021 college basketball season. I'm going to give you guys a deep dive on every last one of them, keep up with all the transfers in college basketball, and so much more. You are able to subscribe to Hooping with Hoops on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, or wherever you get your podcasts. Play like a jet. Play like a jet. Next question comes in from Gus Toon again. He says, with all these quarterbacks now declaring, do you think the Jets pick might have more value to a quarterback-hungry team wanting to trade up? Also, would Joe Douglas value getting more picks over a stud player in this draft? So let's start with the first part of that. I don't really think that the quarterbacks are going to impact things. I think that if Justin Herbert does really well at the combine and his stock shoots up, he'll probably go above where the Jets are anyway. And Tua is a mortal lock to go above the Jets, and so is Burrow. So I don't see a scenario where the quarterback really plays into things for the Jets, although I guess anything could happen. As far as Joe Douglas and whether or not he would value his stud over more picks, it really depends on what he thinks of particular players. For instance, we talked about the Andre Dillard scenario from last year with the Eagles. Clearly, the Eagles loved Andre Dillard, and so they valued getting Dillard more than stockpiling picks. Is there a player in this draft that Joe Douglas feels that way about? Maybe. No way to know that without asking Joe Douglas, and I'm pretty sure he's not going to tell me even if I did. So we'll find out soon enough what his philosophy is or if there's a specific player or specific players that he values more than stockpiling picks. I don't think that there's going to be a quarterback sitting at 11 that's going to, um, you know, that some team's going to want to trade up for and trade a bunch of picks. I don't think that's going to happen. But the idea, obviously, Burrow's almost certainly going to go number one. Uh, Tua is probably going to be gone by the time the Dolphins pick. And then I could see Herbert going to the Chargers or somebody else. Um, But that will help, you know, at least increase the odds that one of those tackles or one of those receivers is available. If you get three quarterbacks gone before the Jets pick, then that's just eight players, uh, other players. One of them we know will be Chase Young. Um, It's still, even that scenario, it still probably seems unlikely that one of those tackles or those top two receivers will be available. But it, it does increase the odds a bit. So, you know, maybe... Maybe the Chargers aren't all about a Herbert, and maybe he slips to 11, and then just somebody who's thinking, uh, I, okay, let's trade up for him. Maybe <clears throat> the Dolphins are worried about to his hip and the medical thing, and maybe they'll pass, and then somebody's willing to jump all the way up to 11 for him. But I don't, I, right now, I would say that seems unlikely. Um, as far as Joe Douglas valuing multiple picks, that it's going to depend on who's on board and how many picks they're getting in return. But I, I, I can tell you this, Joe Douglas would like more picks. So if, if there's not somebody on the board at 11 that he's absolutely in love with, then yes, he would absolutely entertain that idea. Um, 
It's just how many picks is he getting back? How far back? You know, it's one of these things. If if you're gonna drop from eleven to thirteen, it's gonna you're gonna need a lot less picks back in return than if you're dropping from eleven to twenty four. So how far down are they gonna go? Who's he gonna target in that range? There's all those things, and you bring you bring up the Dillard uh, situation again and. I should have added this on. We were talking about it earlier. But um, that's you always have to look at the teams ahead of you. If you're targeting a position or a player, look at the teams ahead of you to see if somebody's going to uh, try to take him before you, try to jump up. Because, again, you obviously want to be able to stay put at 11 and get the guy you want. But the text, that Dillard example is a perfect example of, uh, what can go wrong with just staying put because the Texans stayed put the Eagles jumped them took Dillard and then what happened the Texans were forced to trade a whole bunch of draft picks for Laramie Tunsil because they needed that guy for this season and it's going to be the same thing for the Jets going into next season all the talk about how the offensive line was so bad and so you can't really uh, judge Gase and you can't judge Darnold because of it. Darnold going into his third year, you're going to need that guy, that offensive tackle. So they can't just afford to just sit here and risk getting, letting somebody else jump them or beat them to the punch if they have a chance to get one of those three guys and they like them. My friend Chris Walker had an interesting point about the Tua situation. He said a lot of Jets fans are looking at Tua entering the draft as a win for the Jets because that means that he's going to go ahead of them and that'll push somebody else down. And he said, yeah, that's true, but the Dolphins are probably going to get to it. And so, yeah, it's great that it pushes guys down, but the bad news is you're going to have to deal with Tua for the next 10 to 15 years. So there's pluses and minuses to it. Hopefully he does end up pushing somebody down because if he goes to the Dolphins, I don't know that that's a positive at all for the Jets. In fact, on the contrary, I think it would be quite the negative. Next question comes in from Chaz Maz. He says, as much as it would be nice to lock up Jamal Adams long term, isn't the smart thing to do to just write it out? They can keep him for two more years and franchise him in a position that won't command ridiculous money. So perhaps even franchise him twice. It is actually going to command ridiculous money, I think, though, because he would have to be paid top safety money and right now I believe Landon Collins is making 16 or 17 million dollars a year that's going to continue to rise as more and more safeties get paid I know Eddie Jackson just got paid and you're going to see a few more plus Derwin James is going to get a monster contract when he eventually gets locked up and he would get locked up ahead of Jamal Adams in this scenario because you're saying you would play out the string if you look at what happened with Robbie Anderson or Kirk Cousins would be the extreme example that's why I think you want to lock these players up early if they're elite and they're young. You can get them at a price right now that is cheaper for the long haul. If you wait, that price is going to go up. Also, the cap is going to rise too. So if you get them now, a deal that looks crazy right now in a couple of years is not going to look that crazy. In fact, Cousins is a good example. $28 million a year, people were flipping out when that happened. Now you're hearing about Dak Prescott possibly getting $40 million a year. So just keep that in mind when you think about this. I do think that if the Jets aren't blown out of the water with a trade offer for Jamal Adams, they should look to lock him up. 
because I think that he proved this year, and I think Greg Williams did a great job of deploying him in a way that proved it. Ironic, because a lot of people thought that Greg Williams didn't know how to use Jamal Adams, which he clearly now has shown that he did. He used him in a way that helped him turn into another Troy Palomalu. And even if Greg Williams isn't here, he set the blueprint for whoever the defensive coordinator would be after him. So I think that if they don't get a ridiculous trade offer for him, they should look to lock him up. And I think in the long run, it'll be beneficial. Yeah, I'm, again, I'm, I'll say it again. If, if you know you have a player that you're going to want to keep on, uh, you're going to want to sign eventually. Once you know that, you sign him that day if you can. That very day because the price is only going to go up more and more and more. And, again, Eddie Jackson just signed that huge contract. Landon Collins got the huge contract. You have to take the average salary of the top five safeties. That's not going to be cheap to franchise tag him and then franchise tag him twice. Um, Yeah, and he is a valuable piece of this defense. Um, the idea that uh, Greg Williams wasn't going to know how to use him was ludicrous to me. That was one of the biggest draws of hiring Greg Williams to me was him using um, Jamal Adams. Now, I get concern if you're wondering how Greg Williams is going to use a free safety, but to use a free, uh, strong safety that plays an, um, a lot near the line of scrimmage, yeah, that there should have never been a concern about that. Um, But again, if you know you're going to sign somebody to another contract, don't wait those couple years. It's going to go up. And yes, you're going to, if you sign him this off season, it's going to be a big number, but guess what? That number is going to be locked in and the salary cap is going to grow. So it'll be, it'll look like such a huge number this year, sign him to a five-year deal or whatever. In two years, that deal is going to look like a steal. So always sign the guy as early as possible once you know you are definitely going to want to sign him. Don't wait. It's only going to cost you more. Next question comes in from Fuego Jets Takes again. He says, what free agent cornerback that costs less than $10 million a year do you want the Jets to sign? So I'm going to take an unconventional route here. I think if Sidney Jones gets cut by the Eagles, that would be an interesting guy to look at because – I loved what he did in college, and I know he's been slowed down by the injury, and he's been a disappointment in Philadelphia, but I also know that Joe Douglas obviously really liked him because he had a big hand in drafting him, and he's still young enough that I think taking a flyer on him and seeing what he could bring to the table would be a pretty good idea, and you can get him on the cheap. So that's my answer for getting a cornerback under $10 million. If Sidney Jones is cut, I wouldn't mind taking a flyer on him. Yeah, I mean, the under $10 million part of this is, is makes it uh, tricky because there, there's, not a lot of, uh, there's not a lot of good options out there with cornerback. Obviously, we've talked about Brian Jones, maybe somebody like James Bradbury from Carolina, but they're, pro- they're both going to command over $10 million. You got somebody like Chris Harris still playing good, but he's going to command over that as well, even at his age. And then pretty much all the other there, – there's some good uh, corners available after there, but they're pretty much all mostly slot corners there. Um, and uh, you, I'd, I'd rather just try to bring back Brian Poole and roll with him. So I, I would think if there's going to be somebody there, Sidney Jones is somebody I would be willing to take a flyer on as well. 
Um, it, it's probably going to be somebody who is not at, at really technically a free agent right now. But yeah, so uh, that the under ten million part is what makes this tricky. And again, with most of the uh, the, the good options that you could probably get under there being slot corners, Darquez Denard is somebody. Obviously, he's had trouble staying healthy. Um, maybe Kendall Fuller, somebody. Maybe maybe you take a shot at uh, uh, at Jimmy Smith. Uh, I don't know how much he's going to get. Um, maybe that could be uh, uh, at his age, his injury issues. Maybe that would be. Under ten million dollars, uh, you know, do a shorter term deal there for him, but there's there's not going to be a lot of like options you're going to feel really comfortable starting with uh, having starting for under ten million dollars. If you if you're looking for a starter, it's probably going to be Bradbury or uh, or um, Byron Jones, and they're going to cost more than ten million. Next question comes in from Jets Joe seventy three. He says, "Lord of the Rings movies or Hobbit movies? If you had to travel across the middle of the Earth, which three current Jets would you take with you? Your Frodo and Loggins is Samwise. I don't know what any of that means. I'll be honest with you. I fell asleep halfway through Lord of the Rings. My buddy Matt at the time was like, "I love Lord of the Rings. You got to watch it." And I was like, "I don't know if it's really my thing." He's like, "Just check it out." So I watched half of it and. By the time the first half was over, I looked at him and I said, listen, dude, you know, you're my boy and all that. I gave it a shot, but this ain't going to happen. And he's like, what? It's just getting good. I'm like, I'm sorry, man. This is just not my thing. And I'm not saying that Lord of the Rings is bad. It's just not really for me. So just so we start with that so everybody knows that I have no idea what any of these references mean. I would say, though, if I had to travel to the middle of the earth with any three jets, I want somebody that's fast, I want somebody that's strong, and I want somebody that's entertaining because this is a long journey and I need somebody that's going to make me laugh. So I want Sean Jefferson with me, the wide receivers coach, so that's number one. He's going to be the one that's going to entertain me and tell me funny stories. The second guy that I want, the strong guy, he's still under contract right now. We'll see what happens, but I want Brian Winters with me because that's the dude that I want for strength. And since I can't pick Robbie Anderson because he's not technically under contract right now, I'm going to go with Trenton Cannon because that's my guy that will give me the speed. All right. Well, I have to go with Winters too, um, and not just for the strength reason, but he's a hunter. If I'm, if I'm going through something like that, I need somebody who's going to be able to get me food because guess what? I can't. Um, I will die of starvation. I'm not built for that life. Uh, so I'm going to need Brian Winters with me there. You know, he, he's not the, o- the only one there, but he, he's the most avid. He's the one that I'm going to roll with there. I'll go with Le'Veon Bell, too. Um, Le- Le'Veon would be very entertaining. He, w- he will make me laugh. I'd have fun talking to him, building with him. And uh, I he, he's plenty of fast to uh, handle anything like that. <laughs> So I'll go with those two, and then the third. I, you know, I'll go with Sam, and I'm gonna go with Sam just because, I, just because Sam's gonna be just ready to roll with everything. He's just gonna be okay, cool, let's go. Right, he's that. He's not gonna be a a drag on us. He's not gonna weigh, slow us down. He's he, he's not. He's just gonna not fight anybody about anything. He's just gonna be willing to just roll with whatever we have to roll with and do whatever we need to do. So I'll, I'll go with those as my three. That's going to wrap up part one of the weekend mailbag. We'll be back with part two tomorrow. In the meantime, make sure that you're checking out Chris's very big deal work over at jetsinsider.com. 
and that you're following him on Twitter at CNimbly and at Jets Insider. And if you haven't had a chance to check out all the great shows that we've done here on Play Like a Jet throughout the week, I suggest you go back into our archives and give them a listen. Connor Rogers came on on Monday for a roundtable discussion that was really awesome. He even previewed some of his favorite prospects for this draft real early because we know that the whole process has to play out. And Connor will be in Mobile this week. And don't forget, we'll have Clayton Smarslock on to talk about what's going on because he will be down there for TurnOnTheJets.com as well. On Tuesday, we had a brand new episode of Chronicles of Nania where we began to explain the Darnold Project. We're going to be rolling that out weekly for quite a while Michael sat down and watched every single play of Sam Darnold's career again, graded the plays, graded the games, has a whole criteria of how it breaks down. I think it's a lot more transparent and a lot more accurate than PFF, so it's going to be a lot of fun to go through that. On Wednesday, we did midweek with Manish. Since it's the offseason, I thought it would be fun to go through the Rex Ryan era and just tell the most fun stories and get through the highlights. It's not going to be like the series that we've done on the specific seasons where we have a player or somebody that was there behind the scenes that goes through every game and every nook and cranny of the season. It's not like that. This is going to be more about what it was like for Manish on the Jets beat and some of the stories that he remembers. We did part one. It was a lot of fun. Part two will be coming up next week. We had another roundtable with the great Chris Moore of WFAN and CBS Sports Radio where we discussed a lot of interesting topics including his decision to finally abandon his fandom of the New York Jets. He explains why. He also explains his recent viral rant against Adam Gase and what he sees as a major shortcoming of the New York Jets head coach. whole lot of other topics too. As always, Chris is very entertaining and informative. So if you missed that, listen to that as well. And Jamal Westerman came on for Off the Edge with Jamal Westerman to talk about the process of getting ready for all these postseason all-star games, the combine, and he told a first-hand account straight through from the end of the season, his last year at Rutgers, all the way up through making the Jets, his journey of getting ready for these combines, for the workouts, and how he found a way onto an NFL roster is a fan fantastic story. Jamal remembered every detail and talked about so many cool things that you won't hear anywhere else because it's very rare that you get an inside look like that, a first-person account of what it's like to go through that process. So if you missed that, make sure you give that a listen as well. And if you haven't had a chance to give us a five-star review on iTunes, I'd love it if you could do that for us. It doesn't take much time. It doesn't cost you any money, but it's an easy way to help out the show. So if you could go ahead and do that for us, we'd really appreciate it. And for the latest and greatest in New York Jets podcasts, you know where to go. That's Turn on the Jets Digital and turnonthejets.com.